Hello, and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of our pastors at Providence Church, and Steve, our musical worship director. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Trying to be cool. I know, that cracked me up. Okay, okay. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples that live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing the call to worship, confession, and profession of faith. Hey, everyone. It's Raven, Andrew, and Steve. And Steve loves burritos, having fun, music. But Steve, I'll just, I'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Steve. I'm the worship director at our church. Uh, musical worship director, I should say. I think about the songs that we're going to sing when we gather and also some of the elements, what we call elements that we're going to do. So are we going to pray? Are we going to confess together? So I think about what do we do when we get together? And Andrew, Andrew helps me think about those things. And the burrito thing is because we just ate lunch together <laughs> yeah. and Steve got this massive double wrap steak burrito it. or something. Yep. Steak burrito. I thought you were going wrapped. for the tofu. No, it's not real meat. Here's fake. the crazy thing about Chipotle though. So I said this when we were eating lunch, I had, I got a burrito a couple weeks ago and I, as I was holding it, I was like, this is enormous. <laughs> this is so big. It's so heavy. And I'm like, I'm literally just going to eat this. And that is now just going to sit in my gut. It just doesn't feel, I know that Chipotle is not like super unhealthy, but it doesn't seem healthy to eat that big of a thing <laughs> mm-hmm. and then just have it sit there. It's great though. It tastes good, man. I know, but it, I don't know. And it leaves you feeling a little lethargic. That's what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. I, feel a little <laughs> I know. Now. Usually we record these podcasts in the morning. We're a little bit sharper. Now it's post lunch. So we'll see. Oh, oh no, I feel full. Well, I feel That's fueled. Good. Fueled. <laughs> I meant to say fueled, but then the words just, okay, maybe I'm Fuel not as sharp as attack as yeah. I was thinking that I was. You're too oh, full. <laughs> well, regardless of how much we've eaten or what time of day it is, we are excited to begin talking about three different liturgical elements. So last week we talked about Sunday liturgy, which basically is the order of our Sundays. Today, we're talking about three of the elements within our Sunday liturgy, which would be the call to worship, confession and assurance, and profession of faith. Mm-hmm. And the first one's pretty old, right? Like the call to worship is something we've always done. Is that yeah, true? right. Okay. So how did that even come about? What is the call to worship? It's the first thing we do in our gatherings, and it's where God calls us to worship him. Mm. In That's short. interesting because I always thought it was like just a time to kind of like you know, shake us a bit, say, Hey, wake up. It's Sunday. Yes. Mm -hmm. Get out of your regular routine and focus on what we're singing. Like not God calling us to worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's probably easy maybe for you to think about that or maybe even the rest of the church to think of, Oh, the call to worship is a time for someone to stir us into focusing on God, recenter us or whatever. I think it was easy to think that way because people usually say, I'm going to call our hearts to worship rather than mm. saying, here's how God calls you once again to worship him. Yep. But it's really a space where we try to remind people that, hey, God's once again calling you to worship him. Remember the fact that he's made promises to you that you're in his family. And once again, he's bidding you to draw near to him. Mm. It's God's call over his people to once again come. So are we trying to change that language and have people not say, I'm calling you to worship? People don't say it anymore. (laughs) Or they shouldn't say it anymore. (laughs) If if you hear it, 
you can call somebody out on that. Oh, man. No. So I think, yeah, originally when we started the church, we actually did a song first and then the call to worship. And we really did function as if it was like a little kind of devotional almost. Mm-hmm. So it's like give, you know, 90 seconds, give a thought on God that could kind of help stir people's hearts. And the more that we actually like thought about the call to worship, we realized, oh, that's not really what this is at all. Like a call Mm -hmm. to worship is not just somebody in the church saying, hey, you should worship God today or Mm -hmm. let me try to encourage you or, you know, get your emotions or feelings or spiritual state somewhere else. It really is supposed to be God calling us to worship. So we, we started to ask the question, okay, we have this call to worship spot who is calling us to worship? Mm-hmm. Why are we calling somebody to worship? That's when the switch started to happen where we said, oh yeah, it's not just Christians calling each other to worship, which isn't always bad. And mm-hmm. we do that in other forms, but ultimately we are there in our Sunday gatherings because God is the one who calls us to worship him, mm-hmm. which has a lot of different implications, I think. Mm-hmm. Which I think reminding God's people that God himself is calling them is way more powerful than having... Mm-hmm some person telling you you should worship. Yeah. Not that God doesn't use a person, but I feel and and we feel that that's just way more powerful when God's call is over us. Mm. And also too, even for the person who's leading the section of call to worship, I feel like there's way less pressure on that person when they think of the call to worship as God's call. They're like, oh wait, the weight isn't really on me. It's on God's word at that moment. Yeah, that's really good. So who can give a call to worship? Shouldn't it be a pastor or an elder since you are giving the word of God and saying what God is saying to them? For us, we don't require it to be a pastor um, to do a call to worship uh, because, again, we don't necessarily see it as like an authoritative teaching. So in our, our church, we would hold to that preaching, which maybe we'll get into this in a future episode, but the the preaching of God's word, which is like an authoritative teaching and exhortation from God's word is only for men and, and specifically men who are either moving towards eldership or are elders. But in a call to worship, since it's, again, some of the pressures off that it's not this authoritative, I'm, I'm teaching you something about God's word. Most of the call to worships, if you've been around Providence for a while, you'll notice, especially recently, it literally is just a verse that speaks of God or something about God or how we should worship God. And then the person basically saying, so let's, let's worship him. Like it's Mm. basically just that simple. And so um, we don't require it to be a pastor to do that. Although I'm sure some people might, and that could be a debate to have, but for us, at least convictionally, we would say usually it's uh, somebody who's leading other parts of our liturgy throughout the Sunday or Steve, who's on stage in the past, we've had a few members in our church do it. So we wouldn't have just like anybody random do it, but Mm. at least a member or leader in our church could Mm. do the call to worship. Steve, you've given, as we've talked about this, an il- kind of an illustration just on what the call to worship does. Maybe help people. So again, if somebody is kind of either new to church or mm-hmm. hasn't really thought about this before, kind of help set the stage with this kind of imagery that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was thinking about the call to worship and why is it important for it to come first, one of the thoughts that I had was... Well, I imagined being told by a friend that he was going to a party. People were going to go and hang out, all these things. And he told me, well, you can come. Like, you can come to this party and hang out. 
If I would go to that door, knock on the door, I feel like the entire way there on the drive there. And even as I'm knocking on the door, I would be worried and thinking about, oh man, but am I really invited by the host? I was kind of invited by someone who was just invited, but not really by the host. And so I would be nervous the entire time. But I sometimes view showing up to Sunday mornings in the same way. If there's a Christian that walks through the doors of the building and they realize they've like messed up, they've had maybe a week of binging in their sin or Mm. they're down in the dumps or there's maybe even a non-Christian. I feel like what the call to worship does to both those people, the Christian who's struggling and maybe even the non-Christian is it reminds the person once again that no, God is inviting you once again to worship him. And for the person who doesn't know God, God is also inviting that person to worship God too. I think there's a, the call to worship kind of maybe um, destroys the question, am I supposed to be here? And is God really asking me to draw near? Yeah, which is good. You kind of mentioned this, but why do we do it first? So we used to do a song first and then the call to worship. And if you've noticed, if you go to Providence, you, you maybe have noticed that we've switched that and we do the call to worship first and then a song. And again, like you'll probably hear us say throughout these episodes, this isn't flippant. Like that was mm-hmm. very intentional. So why is it that we believe the call to worship should come first in our gatherings? I mean, it's the way that our salvation worked. I mm-hmm. mean, we didn't first approach God and ask him if we could worship him. His call came to us first and, and landed on our hearts when we we're far away. I mean, even in redemptive history, God has always first approached a person or a family or a people group and called them to himself. And so if we can follow that pattern in our little gathering, it just once again reminds us that God has always first called us. Mm. Even in our corporate gatherings, he is always first calling us. That's good. Yeah. One thing that's important in our gatherings is to show that and to show that like God's word and what he says is like first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Like, so it, just think about when you come to our gatherings, who gets the first word in the gathering? Well, it's the Lord. It's his mm-hmm. word. It's mm-hmm. the first word. But here's the other thing that I think is important about the call to worship. And this is just, I think a cool connection. So think about when humans sinned, when you have Adam and Eve in, in Genesis three, when they sin, what did, what did God essentially say to them? He, he cast them out of the garden and said they could no longer be in his presence. So mm-hmm. there was this like call for them to go. Like they, they had to be exiled away from his presence. Yeah. But now graciously from that point forward, God has been working to not continue to call us to go, but he calls us to come and mm-hmm. to worship him. So in that call to worship, which again, I, I'd love for our church to think about this. When we hear the call to worship to start, that's actually the first way that we're communicating the gospel on a Sunday is that mm-hmm. your sin in your sin, God has to like call you to go out of his presence, but he graciously is calling a people back to himself to worship. Mm-hmm. So when Steve or whoever gets up on a Sunday morning and starts by saying, our God is calling you to come worship him. That's just grace and mercy of God that mm-hmm. he would actually do that. Cause we don't deserve yeah. that, but his calling us to worship him It's just the grace of God. So from that point forward, the rest of the gathering, that just sets the stage. Not only does God get the first word, but it just shows his grace. And Mm. then every step of the way, we Mm. just see his glory and his grace and how good he is. Mm. Mm, That's good. Moving from the call to worship to the next liturgical element, when we see the confession of sin or assurance of pardon, what are those? Like when do those happen in our gatherings? Are those after the first couple of songs or when do those really show up and what are they? And so the flow of our liturgy is there's a call to worship. We sing songs about who God is. He's a creator. He's holy. Mm. And 
I think naturally we will start thinking about how not holy we are or yeah. how sinful we are. And so we need space to confess to God and admit, Lord, we haven't loved you or our neighbors the way that you call us to in light of your holiness. As we consider who we are, we need to confess that. It's almost like we've acknowledged that God's holy, but to not have a space to confess would almost feel weird to move on. And I think some people need that space also. Mm. After a week of yeah, struggling, I think people need that space to confess. But also we read the Bible, we read the New Testament, and we see that it's actually a really good thing for Christians mm. to confess their sin to God and to one another too. Yeah. And so it's also a very biblical thing to do, to confess. Yeah. Why does this have to be something that's all in unison out loud? I feel like that's something that I've seen in traditional Catholic churches or really traditional churches. Why can't it just be, okay, here's a time of prayer so that you can confess to God? Like individually or like mm -hmm. silently? Yeah. Well, one thing is that these Sunday gatherings are corporate in nature. And so while the Lord does do unique things in individuals, I think part of what we're trying to do is, so I think every day we should be confessing mm. and repenting of sin. So Martin Luther, when he like posted his 95 theses on and started the Reformation, his very first one was saying all of life should be repentance. Like we should always mm. be acknowledging our sin and repenting and turning from that. Sundays are unique in that we are gathered together to do this. So it's not just mm -hmm. another time where, you know, you're sitting in the morning and you're, you know, confess or maybe at night or whatever, and you're confessing, man, the Lord, I did not love you in this way. Or I, I, you know, I'm aware of my sin in this way and I need to repent of that. But it's where we together are coming to do that, which I think it brings a, an odd sense of unity in mm. the struggle and confession. So, cause sometimes, you know, think about sometimes where you've been like, just kind of stuck in sin. Like you just really had a hard time fighting it and finding victory. That is such an isolating thing. And it just feels like, man, nobody else is struggling like I'm struggling. Like yeah. everyone else is growing and I'm, I just suck. You know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like that mentality, but you come and with, you know, in our church and whatever gathering a hundred, some people, we get to sit there and we get to confess together that we as a people are struggling. We yeah. have not done this together. Um, and we have not loved each other well. So as we, so Steve mentioned, you know, we try to confess how we have not loved God, you know, kind of a, a vertical sense, but also how we have not loved our neighbors. We have not loved, you know, our fellow church members. And so we get to almost say that and confess that together. So I think there's mm -hmm. a little bit of a power in all of us doing that together and in kind of leading out in that. I also think we haven't gotten into this too much, but so we do a confession. So how this works, if, if you don't go to Providence is we say some sort of a prayer of confession, which is led, like you said, somebody on stage will kind of lead through this prayer that'll be on the screen and we all pray it together. And the next part right afterwards is the assurance of pardon or assurance of forgiveness. And what that is, is saying for Christians who confess their sins, it is assured that they will be forgiven. Mm -hmm. So there's also this corporate, like, yes, it's this confession time, but it's also the grace of God to immediately say, if you confess your sins, like you are forgiven in Christ. And so there's this, this whole gospel picture of like Steve was saying, your, your God is holy. We are not holy. We, we have sinned, but immediately we get the grace of God as a reminder. And that's not just a mm -hmm. reminder for you. So again, why we do this corporately, we actually, when we're hearing that it's that 
man, there's a bunch of people in this room and God's mercy and grace has come to all of us. And yeah. we're all here because of the blood of Jesus has forgiven us of our sins. And that's not just an individual thing. That's a corporate thing. Mm-hmm. So I will, I will totally acknowledge it is weird sometimes. It's awkward to say it sometimes. Like some people get off and it's just like clumsy mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. Um, but the the meaning and the purpose behind the corporate nature of it, I think is to exemplify that we are all sinners and that God's mercy and grace is so big and so vast that it covers mm-hmm. all of us. Dude, and I think part of the reason why it's weird is because there's no other space in our lives where we're with a group of people confessing that we're weak or that we're in need. You know, we go to our workplaces and you you have to talk yourself up if you want the job or if you mm. want your boss to be pleased with you. You have to, I don't know, present a polished version of yourself. Right. And so then to come to this, so, you, so that's your entire week, you know, or even with your friends, you're probably trying to present yourself in a presentable way or mm-hmm. whatever. And then you come to a Sunday morning and then here's this group of people confessing their weakness. It's going to feel weird to do that. Yeah. So Yeah, and I think it's also kind of different because where else are you reciting in unison right. or confessing in unison yeah. with other people around you? And so I think some of the traps that I fall into are, one, I don't know, getting off, I feel like, when I'm talking. And so then it kind of throws me off. <laughs> or two just not focusing on what I'm saying. Mm. And I I don't know why that is. I think it's because I don't actually know because yeah. I just didn't grow up with a background of reciting liturgy like this. And I've even had people that said that they did grow up with that background mm-hmm. and they just block it out. Like they don't mm-hmm. think about it. They don't let it set in. But I think it's good to hear both of you say, no, we put this in here for a reason mm-hmm. and to meditate on it is really what we're trying to get at so that yeah. your heart can be formed and shaped during that. And we're also like putting words in people's mouth because we, we realize this is also a space for us to help form Christians, give words to Mm. how to confess to. So it's a teaching moment too. Mm. Sometimes people don't know how to. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a teachable. I do think that's good because yeah, we talk about that sometimes like, Hey, we should be confessing sins or we should be growing. Mm -hmm. But I mean, just think about it. If you, if you became a Christian and no one actually, like people actually, ha- you have to learn how to do things. Like nobody yeah. just immediately, like you said before, no one immediately just knows how to share all their weaknesses and mm-hmm. confess their sins or even know what sins should I be confessing? Like how, mm-hmm. how does this work? So part of those gatherings, which that may sound weird, like we're putting words in people's mouths, but the mm-hmm. reality is that's what we do every week in songs and nobody mm-hmm. really gets upset oh, at that. Like we're putting yeah. words in your mouth so that you sing this to God. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with a confession. Hmm. What we're doing is we're just training and and showing. I mean, it really is a formational thing of we're showing this is this is how our heart posture should be. When you read the Bible or when you're praying and you experience the holiness of God, I mean, over and over and over again in the Bible, maybe Isaiah is the clearest example. When somebody sees God, mm-hmm. what's his first response? I mean, they fall and he mm-hmm. says, woe is me, I'm a sinner. Like yep. you can't come into the holiness of God and not say, I am undeserving of being Mm. in this place, which is the right response. But then when you couple that with, but the grace of Jesus has covered your sins and is calling you in, Mm. it's just this beautiful moment. And people, yeah, in a lot of ways just need to be trained. How do we do that? And so that we can actually do that throughout the week. So Mm. people can confess their sins and experience the grace of Jesus. And oftentimes in those assurance pieces, people probably notice we're trying to give different verses 
I mean, part of my hope too is that those can just be go-to verses for people. Mm-hmm. When you feel like you're really struggling with sin, one that we just used this last week, First John 1, 9, when you're really struggling with sin and you confess that to the Lord, that immediately now people know, oh, First John 1, 9, if you confess mm-hmm. your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Now that's a reminder mm-hmm. that you have because you've heard that over and over and over again mm-hmm. on Sunday. So I think, yeah. We're, yeah, we are just trying to form and help people to be able to do this throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's good how we couple confessing sin with the fact that we have forgiveness from yeah. the Lord. Otherwise, it's just kind of like stewing in all of the things <laughs> yeah. that you've done wrong. Yeah. And, and we don't want to end it there because that's not the end of the story, right? right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So then after that, we have the profession of faith. Is that something that's even more new? Is that also something we recite? It's usually one or the other. So usually, like Steve said, we've got the call to worship, usually two songs, and then we'll either do a confession, mm-hmm. which is our confession of sin, or we'll do a profession or a profession of faith. And so what that mm-hmm. is, is essentially it's the church saying this is what mm. we believe. So mm. uh, in in our church, I think a few weeks ago, the last one we did was a question and answer out of oh, yeah. the New City Catechism. Yeah. One of the first questions is, what is God? Mm. And the church just recited together what the answer was, which I don't know off the top of my head, but it was like, <laughs> this is what we believe about God. And I think the right. impactful thing about that is... Not only is it a teaching thing, so we're, we're helping people know this is what we believe, but there's something, it's almost like a, a rally cry a little bit for us to say this as a, as a group of people from all different stages of life, different backgrounds, this is something we hold to and believe together mm-hmm. that unites us. Mm-hmm. And so we probably do those, I don't know, maybe once a month. Yeah, like, it, like It's not about. as often as the confession, but every once in a while we'll do that um, just to help people know these are the things that we actually believe. These are, this is what holds us together. Mm. Last fall, 2020, we spent 10 weeks as we went through our judges series. And so maybe people would remember this, that throughout the judges series, it was all about people doing what was right in their own eyes and people not knowing and trusting God. And so what we did in all of our gatherings was each Mm. week we took a different um, article or piece of our statement of faith. And we would recite what we do know about God, what we do hold to be true. Because in Judges, we're learning about how easy it is to drift and fall away. The profession of faith piece was basically saying, this is what we do know and what we do believe about God and what's Mm. like what we're holding to. But the reality is, our church is not filled with everyone being a Christ follower. So should we be doing these when we have non-Christians in the room? Yeah, I think we should still do them. When we plan for Sunday mornings, we do consider the fact that there will be unbelievers, but we think that Sunday mornings are primarily for the believer. Mm. And so we're going to do professions of faith, knowing yeah. even, even when we know that there are non-believers there, we're not forcing everyone in the room to say it but we're encouraging believers to say it. So mm-hmm. they, they definitely don't have to yeah. say Which it. Which I think we've even mentioned a couple of times when we've led the profession of faith of saying, Hey, if you're, if you're not a Christian or you don't believe this, oh, feel yeah. free to just yeah. like read it on the screen, mm-hmm. but you don't feel like you have to say it. Cause our heart is that people would genuinely say this, or even in the confession piece that they would genuinely confess. So I think, and we don't say this every week probably, but I think we do try to mention like, Hey, if you're not a follower of Jesus or you, or you don't feel like you have sins to confess. Like that's okay. Like you don't have to do that. But for the people of God, we do confess our sins and we do profess to believe these things. This is what unites us. And so 
it is i think it's it's helpful to set that so that yeah people that come in that aren't christians don't have to feel like i'm saying something mm-hmm. that i don't believe but also it helps so that they can see oh this group of people believes this thing mm-hmm. so when we say what what is god and we give the answer from the new city catechism it helps them see in a very short and succinct way oh this is what they believe about god mm-hmm. And the hope would be that they could either start to reflect on, I don't believe this part and this part about that. Like, why is that? Or, man, I, I would love to believe in a God like that. Like, I, it's hopefully still stirring and the spirit can move through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we definitely don't want to force people into saying that. Right. It's also a beautiful picture of the fact that we can profess and confess our sin, but then also profess our faith in what we believe around a lot of mm. other people. Whereas a lot of times you see people do it in isolation on social media, or sometimes you hear people talk about it, but to hear people do it all in unison, I think could be powerful for yeah. people that have never heard that before. Again, I'll say it is weird sometimes. Like it is weird to yeah. profess those things and to say it, but just because people, it's, it's a little bit unusual or we don't do that in other contexts. Yeah, I don't think that means we shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I think part of the purpose of this podcast is to help people see the beauty behind it so that hopefully it has a little bit more meaning. The other thing I'll say on this is Steve and I have talked a number of times about, so let's take the confession, for instance, when we confess our sins and then we sing a song right afterwards. So so how it works is we do the, the two songs, we confess our sins, we are assured of our forgiveness in Jesus, and then we get to sing a song that Steve usually picks, which is very centered on like the mm. work of Jesus or something, or how you know we've been made right with God. I feel like it just lets that song mm-hmm. like have it a truer and deeper meaning. Because cool. you can just sing it in general mm-hmm. and the song is good. But when your mm. lips actually say, I am a sinner and I, I need the grace of Jesus, yeah. and then I get to hear, oh, God's faithful and he's just and he will mm. forgive me, and I get to sing, oh, his mercy is more. Like, mm. even though I sin, his mercy mm. is more. Like, it just helps put all these things together, and I feel like it gives them a greater depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even when we've done professions of faith, not even confessions, and there's been a song that follows or closely connects to that profession, I mean, people just want to sing it and it's just yeah. a powerful moment because it helps mm-hmm. the the profession or confession is the words you say but mm-hmm. then the song yeah, it just helps get your mm-hmm. emotions there and stuff yeah. and it helps you actually yeah just put words to these truths yeah. in a beautiful way yeah mm-hmm. which is a great plug for our next episode which is all about songs and why mm-hmm. we sing on sundays yeah. i don't True. even think you knew that you're doing that <laughs> but <laughs> that's all that we have for today Thank you for joining us. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to form disciples that live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. If you want to find out more about us, check us out at providenceomaha.org. And if you have questions, comments, or podcast topics, please email us at formation at providenceomaha.org. I'll see you next week.